0: Welcome to the next edition of Business Law Focus. It's great having you with us, and it's a pleasure to welcome Angela Simpson, Lydia Shadrach Rosino, and Verushka Pillow. Has been on the show before uh, from Baker McKenzie's corporate practice. Uh, they're all partners and um, and leaders in the field. And we wanted to delve into a couple of key issues that are happening, underpinning. You know, we've seen economic uh, projections for South Africa looking terrible, worse for wear, uh, generally. Um, you know, concerns over ratings, downgrades, the grey listing issue, you know, a, a pool of negativity really hanging over the economy. So we wanted to delve into uh, private equity, M&A, and trends in ESG and specifically BEE space and, and what that means for the economy. So uh, great having you with us. Uh, thanks for joining us, um, all three of you. Uh, some big issues, and maybe if we can start with, with Angela and and look at M&A, you know, the situation in sub-Saharan Africa and drill down to you know, to, to what this means uh, for the future.
1: Thanks, Evan. Um, and thanks very much for having us. Um, as you say, some some big issues. Look, according to our analysis of the data that we've been seeing for sub Saharan Africa, inbound MA transactions for, for foreign acquirers um, has been very significant. Obviously, after COVID, um, there was a, a great unleashing of unspent capital. Uh, a number of transactions were undertaken. We saw in um, in 2021, about 17.2 billion. U.S. dollars being invested in sub-Saharan Africa with 313 transactions. 2022, this dropped to about 12.7 billion for 306 transactions. And in 2023, the, tar- the region is the target of about 29 transactions with the total value so far of 879 million U.S. dollars. So we're seeing a slightly downward trend and obviously that correlates with your comments around conditions being challenging. But the market is not closed yet. You know, dealmakers are hunting for strategic deals. There are still deals to be done. And, um, you know, private credit, private equity and other investors have got money to invest. It's just a question of what kind of situations they're prepared to invest in, taking advantage of those situations. Um, And although there's uncertainty for the rest of the year, we certainly see a a continuation of, 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 of activity. We don't expect it to be massively down from what we've seen in the last two years.
0: And of course, COVID uh, saw a bit of a, a decline in activity, obviously. But uh, deal makers globally are making up for lost time, as it were. Uh, what is the the situation in in Africa compared to that that global, you know, uptick in activity?
1: I think there's a very similar sort of trend in Africa. Africa remains an attractive continent. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, there are different jurisdictions or different countries within the continent that are more appealing than others. Um, there are challenges certainly um, on the ground you know, around political uncertainty, um, infrastructure and that kind of thing. But those all, all provide increased, I think, opportunities. And so we're seeing a lot of interest um, in Africa in transactions that support or look at investing in infrastructure, whether that's energy infrastructure, or transport infrastructure, um, and, and similar kind of things. And so we, we think that we're still going to continue to see um, you know, a lot of activity in that space
0: and lydia in the private equity space what, what are the key trends that we're seeing there a little bit different to overarching m a uh, trends
2: it's slightly different even, mm. uh, evan but not not too different so the private markets uh, in sub-saharan africa have been boosted by plenty of dry powder with private equity investors driving market activity in in 2022 Although not as high as 2020 or 2021, 22 was the second highest year on record for private equity activity since 07. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, I have to look at the Africa private capital activity report that showed that H1 2022 was one of the strongest halves for Africa's private capital industry with 338 complete deals valued at USD 4.7 billion. And this followed an upbeat 21 for African private equity, which, as I've said, it was a year of ample dry powder. Um, Likewise, according to a report by S&P Global Market Intelligence, private equity and venture capital investments in Africa soared 66% year over year in 22 to USD 7.7 billion, the highest aggregate value for the region in the last five years. S&P pointed out that this big jump was due mainly to the proposed acquisition of the hospital operator MediClinic, which is valued at more than USD 5 billion. In terms of transaction volume, PE transactions have have shown a steady climb in the region since 2018, reaching 404 deals in 2022. And just so you know, the S&P data entries include, uh, across the spectrum, whole company acquisitions by private equity, minority stakes, acquisitions of assets and fundraising. So pretty much all activities that private that private equity general partners and VC firms are involved in, Evan.
0: And of course, the million dollar question, can we expect these trends to continue?
2: Yeah, so, you know, I'm an eternal optimist and uh, although a cautious eternal optimist yeah. and our view is that, that going forward, private equity transactions in Africa will continue to grow. We have also seen that coming through our deal pipeline deals that we've can't necessarily speak about right now, but the pipeline's looking good. Um, and Deal Leaders International, uh, their report was also optimistic about the M&A market in sub-Saharan Africa, saying that foreign direct investment would increase in the next few years despite the global economic recession. So, so we agree with them on that.
0: I just wanted to bring Varushka in on the sustainability factor. This is no longer nice to have, right, uh, Varushka? What is the impact at the moment?
3: Hi I Evan. Yes, um, uh, thanks. Uh, absolutely, it's no longer a nice to have. Um, it's it's a certainly heightened focus by both MA and P investors on uh, sustainable investing or investment initiatives in Africa. Um, ESG or environmental, social, and governance principles have been incorporated into uh, general investment considerations, particularly PE funds. several years but um we're we're certainly seeing that they're absolutely not no longer nice to have and are quite a, a an important focus of any potential investment um projects are focusing on clean energy community welfare green transport sustainable water um and low carbon developments and these are attracting quite a lot of attention. Um, And alongside the increased equity investor focus on ESG, uh, some lenders are also prescribing ESG principles um, that a company must meet in order for it to receive funding and to continue receiving that, that funding support.
0: Great. And I mean, when it comes to BE specifically, there have been a lot of changes, obviously some concern as well that not enough is being done. We're not seeing enough growth, is is one of the latest reports I read. I mean, can we expect uh, quite a bit happening there to galvanize a lot more in that direction?
1: So it's,
3: of course, an interesting question. Uh, Over the years and since the implementation uh, of BE in the formal sense, um, there have been continuing concerns about whether or not it has had the necessary impact um, on increasing uh, the participation by Black mm. people in the economy, but particularly also in relation to ownership. As you know, um, the most recent report by the Triple B Commission, um, which was uh, in respect to the 2021 year, uh, indicated that that. Uh, there had been a decrease of ownership in the economy. Um, but having said that, it um, it seemed to have been that a lot of their information was insufficient because there had been insufficient reporting uh, on, on ownership statistics. Oh, yeah. uh, but I think that that, that uh, has prompted uh, them to then say that they believe that Amendments are required in respect to the legislation in order to introduce particular administrative penalties in order to compel compliance with reporting requirements. Um, that may may assist, but beyond that, I think as far as um, as the implementation of triple goes, that will continue to remain relevant in the South African environment. It is a very, you know, it's a particular South African ESG factor uh but in addition where we're looking at where government is looking at increasing infrastructure development um the will certainly be incorporated as a principle um in, in in
0: regards to any of that that type of procurement Great. Thanks. And I just wanted to move back to, to Lydia on, on private equity, specifically in the confidence that we do have instilled in investors by the, the fund managers in, in Africa. But there are also numerous challenges. I mean, we have to bring in things like um, the global recession, that's looming inflation, and, of course, the energy crisis, especially from a South African perspective. Maybe just tell us about post-pandemic, how these issues are being managed in the sector and um, you know whether they are stalling uh, what could be even bigger growth.
2: Uh, sure, Evan. So I think that overall confidence is definitely instilled in investors by private equity fund managers across the continent. Um, also, I think that Africans and Africa. are are, well africans are resilient people Mm. and that makes africa a very resilient continent right and so despite the numerous crises over the last couple of years and especially in terms of the looming or while we might be in the middle of it now global economic recession and the energy crisis which you know is significant in south africa um, but also a global issue with energy prices soaring across the world um, post-pandemic and after the impact of global economic turbulence, investors is, have also been thinking very, very carefully about which sectors will do well and where the pandemic has allowed for these for discounts on quality assets. Not not just the pandemic, but the recession, and across the world, including Africa, GPs have to, have had to address these new risks stabilize their investments especially i mean we, we've we've had the war in in ukraine that that we've all had to deal right. with right and suddenly into our, our mac clauses we were we were very specifically focused on the effects of war in in mna and private equity in addition sellers have been all holding on to their assets so there's no there that doesn't seem to be a rush to just get rid of assets. They're looking to hold on and, in, and see whether the, whether the value can increase. Right? Um, currency volatility in Africa has also been a challenge in recent years, and the devaluation of certain local currencies has impacted the value of deals. Um, and in addition, the recent rate hikes mean that money is not cheap, and this definitely adds complexity and makes for more risk-averse investors. Certainly, all of these challenges have stalled investors to some extent, but with all of that said, there is still dry powder, and capital is still being channeled into the market, which is great to see. And that that shows how resilient deal-making actually has become over the last couple of years. Um, the thing that ha- it has impacted, though, quite significantly, is that uh, the ticket size is generally smaller, mm. but but. Fun- are still able to raise capital. And whilst there are not as many high value deals as we may have seen sort of like eight to 10 years ago, um, the market remains buoyant. And overall it is positive and an opportunistic market with managers looking to, looking to assets where the price is attractive and that will offer an uplift to their portfolio.
0: Great, And if we can go back to Angela, then I'm, I'm interested in the trends uh, when it comes to MA transaction trends and, and Sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, let, you know, let's talk about the most uh, inbound deal activity. Uh, what are we seeing in that space at the moment?
1: Yeah, Evan, so I think we're seeing, you know, the, the, the usual investors in, in, in the continent would be the, the U.S., um, the U.K., and China. Um, you know, at times, I think the data is skewed perhaps by one or, or two um, big transactions. Um, you know we've seen for example um, this year the um, the country that has the most deals is Zimbabwe um, and that's due to a china natural resources acquisitions of the of the Williams minerals lithium mine so one transaction can sometimes skew the data depending on when you're looking at it but um, if we look sort of over the last three years pretty consistently we've had um, We've had the US, and obviously that's very consistent with the, the Biden administration's um, focus on encouraging investment and trade between the US and Africa. And um, you know, then we're looking at the, the UK and Europe, which has obviously been a, a long-standing investor in the continent um, over many hundreds of years, and with uh, you know, it's still being a, a focus. We also have a lot of, I think, development and impact financing um, coming out of both of the US and, and Europe, which helps um, contribute. To that, and then obviously China, where there's a continuing interest in in accessing you know raw materials and commodities and minerals, and um, China's also been spending a long time working on its relationships with um, economic partners in in these um, in these areas.
0: And of course, Thailand, um, interestingly, made one of the biggest um, one of the biggest inbound uh, investments um, uh, in the last. Uh, I think it was 2021, right?
1: Yes, that's right. 2021. Um, that was, sorry, I'm looking at my notes now. So that was a 3.7 billion US dollar deal, um, which was a, a fintech, well, I should say an infrastructure, a digital infrastructure deal. So that yeah. was a Thailand headquartered technology company called iWeb, and they acquired a Nigerian fintech company that's called right. Tingo Mobile. Um, and yes, so as I said, I think that's an example of something that, you know, one deal can really skew the statistics. Um, but it does, I think, on the other hand, also highlight um, the activity that we all refer to sort of in the, the fintech and digital infrastructure space in Africa, which is obviously a, a big growth area and something that has seen a, a lot of investment and I think will continue to see a lot of investment. You know, because of Africa's Africa's country specific um, infrastructure challenges, mobile payment solutions and other fintech solutions have been developed in these countries yeah. um, very successfully in many instances and are now of interest you know, to European investors where these things can be rolled out globally.
0: And if we look at the sectors specifically, which sectors um, are, you've mentioned a couple of them, obviously fintech and the TMT space, which sectors are really standing out at, at the moment?
1: Yeah, it's the things that we've seen and there's pretty much consistent um, performance in areas like telecoms and telecommunication, digital infrastructure, including kind of, you know, financial services, infrastructure and financial services around payments, banking, access to financial services, healthcare um, continues to receive a a focus, although I think it is quite Mm. specialized in this different challenges in different jurisdictions. But certainly, as we've seen with the massive MediClinic deal last year, um, healthcare is definitely an area of interest. Also, um, education, um, you know, anything that really looks at kind of building the capacity of the growing African population to participate more meaningfully in a global and interconnected um, economy is, is, is where people are investing their money.
0: Brilliant. If I can conclude with uh, Verushka, just to bring her in, and uh, the effect on investment. You know, we had um, amendments suggested by the BBEE Commission um, recently, and uh, what what do you expect the impact to be on investment specifically going forward? So,
3: I mean, the the nature of the changes that were suggested um, arising from the Commission's trend report of uh, in relation to twenty twenty one were uh, in relation to reporting. So the concerns being, uh, that there's insufficient reporting and compliance yes. with with certain obligations mm-hmm. under the Act. And so they've suggested administrative penalties and criminal sanctions for non-compliance, but mm-hmm. they've also separately suggested, um, introducing a type of specialized tribunal to provide quick resolution, uh, of BE um violations but if those are the amendments that uh, are made i think that they are fairly limited in nature and um aren't going to impact investment um in them in and of themselves but if other amendments are made or are suggested we would have to look at those quite carefully to see uh, to consider whether or not they may impact investment um, it has been some time since the legislation uh, or the codes uh, and legislation have been uh, previously amended, um, and it would be it will be interesting to see if anything more comes out of that. But I think, generally speaking, um, uh, investors are, are well uh, prepared. It's certainly um, investors been in the market for some time, are well prepared, and understand the triple B environment. Um, and it hasn't. Uh, doesn't seem as though it's it's had a major impact or adverse impact on on investment today.
0: Well, thanks very much, Angela, Lydia, and Verushka for those fabulous insights into the trends underpinning what we hope will be a successful 2023, certainly in South Africa with GDP where it is. We need these investments to take shape um, and fast. So thanks very much for those insights. Of course, there are a lot of uh, comp- complexities around the legal framework, and, um, and that needs to be bedded down and in place. But we want to see these deals happen. So thanks very much for those insights. Great chatting to you.
3: Thank you, Seven. Thank you so much, Evan.